Folks, a quick message from our sponsors, Know Before. So what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of cybersecurity, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors, Know Before, will tell you, human error is how most organizations are compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out here in just a minute. Now, our sponsors' questions about forms of social engineering come in this form. Know Before will tell you that there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need a new school security awareness training. See how security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it now at knowbefore.com forward slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Now, no before wants to thank you for listening to the show and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated fishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free fishing test, which you can find at knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Think no before for your security training. Hey everyone. Welcome to another episode of CISO talk. I'm James Azar. I've got a very special episode today, one months in the making, all the planning, we measured 10 times, and we're getting ready to just cut once perfectly. I've got the awesome leadership of Cardinal Health joining me here in just a moment for what I'm calling the epic episode of 2021 in this summer. This is like, you know, Fast and Furious, new movie coming out. This is like the Fast and Furious of cyber right here. This is like the dream team of cybersecurity professionals. So if you haven't subscribed, make sure to do so now. If you're not following us, make sure to do so right now. Because once I kick off this episode, you're going to want to do it. And I don't want you to miss out on any of it. So go ahead, hit subscribe right now. And we're going to be set and ready to go. So let's not waste any more time on today's promo and get right into the episode. It's CISO Talk time. Here we go. From the Cyber Hub Bunker in studio. You're listening to the CISO Talk Podcast. No sales, no bullshit, just straight talk. Straight talk. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Well, we're all here. I think all of us are here now. Hi, ladies. Hello. Wow, look at all the wavy hands. <laughs> awesome. So I've got the awesome ladies of Cardinal Health leading off with Lori and a familiar face joining us again on the show, Brittany. I had Hi. Brittany on for Veteran November. Samara, did I say that right? You did. Well done. I've been practicing, literally. <laughs> um, and, and Jana Moore. So Lori... I'll, I'll allow you to introduce the ladies that are on your team and and kind of a little bit about your background. Absolutely. So I am really excited to be here today and uh, talk about our team and our, our uh, outreach into the community too. So thanks for having us, James. Um, yeah, introducing our team, we've got Samara from our cyber threat operations team, Brittany, from our cyber operations team and Jana Moore um, from our BSO team and security awareness team. So 
Um, as far as my background, James, I can dig into that a little bit. Um, I came into the security space about five years ago. I had been a traditional IT person. I was an IT generalist. I had done all sorts of different IT roles and application development, enterprise architecture, infrastructure. And then this role was open here at Cardinal. And I'd been at Cardinal about 20 years at that point in time. And I uh, was encouraged to give it a try, even though I didn't have a background in security. And what I learned was all of that background in IT really has helped me out um, lead our security team. So it's been a great, great journey. Yeah, um, I, I love the stories of people kind of coming into cyber. Um, I've heard Brittany's and um, we'll bring up Jana and, and Samara's as well. For those who don't know, I had Brittany on. Lori was kind enough. In, in, in October to say, hey, you should really have Brittany on your veteran November series. And, 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 and I did. And it's, it's, it was, it was great. And so you've always been just so like, you should talk to this person and you should be with this person. And your community outreach with me is just unbelievable. So nonetheless, I expect that you would do the same with your team. Talk a little bit about your community outreach, because you guys are really out there, um, promoting security and, and trying to really break down barriers. Talk a little bit about that. And, and, and the team and anyone can jump in anytime they want. This is a fun discussion. Yeah, so a few things coming into this role. It was different. IT doesn't do as much outreach as security. And I loved it. It, it felt finally like I'd found a home because I don't want to do my job in a vacuum when you get into security, you learn you have to have that collaboration and, and outreach to the community or you're not gonna succeed. That's just part of the job. So I really have enjoyed that. Um, we've got a really strong community here in Central Ohio. We actually just had our Central Ohio Security Conference uh, last week. <laughs> last last week. <laughs> yes, um, and so had great engagement there. Um, we have something called Covale here in town, which was um, actually a company formed by companies here in Columbus to really feed talent, feed innovations. So that's another area of collaboration. And then healthcare, which, as you know, the maturity level in healthcare is all over the place. We've got some really mature players and then some areas that really need help. And so it's great to collaborate with our healthcare peers, too. Yeah, healthcare is one industry that over the last 15, 16 months has gotten a lot of attention for all the right reasons, because I don't think would be where we are today after a global pandemic. I mean, what, where are we, 13, 14 months later and 15 months maybe? I don't know exact time, so any of you can feel free to correct me. Some people argue January. I argue March, first lockdown, mm -hmm. but, you know. Let's say if, even if it's 15 months, I'm in Israel right now, and I can tell you we have zero limitations in Israel. People are maskless everywhere. We're out and about. Beaches are open. I'm going to a wedding in an hour and with like a thousand people. So like things are back to normal. And I don't think that would be the case if it wasn't for, you know, people like your team in healthcare helping defend against a lot of threat actors that were trying to slow down and, and really profit off of a pandemic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, criminals love a crisis. And we definitely saw an increase in activity like everybody in healthcare. And, and this team really stepped up. I was so proud. Um, you know, we made the decision, like a lot of companies, to start working from home in about a week. And we just 
changed our way of working to adapt to that. And the team really stood up to the challenge and, and really quite honestly took it so seriously because we felt that responsibility being in healthcare and being in the center of it all that we had to deliver period. Um, so it, it's been quite a year. I've been humbled by all the great work that the team's done for sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, let's talk a little bit about awareness. And I know that Jana leads that kind of overall um, effort for you guys. Jana, when you look at kind of like cyber awareness within the community, not only within the organization, right, and and, and the supply chain and the vendor, and I think people underestimate the role of a BSO, but my good friend Patrick Benoit at a CBRE, he's been able to elevate the role of the BSO. Talk a little bit about your community outreach, and I told you the light would fall, and lo and behold, it did, right? So, there it was. Blooper reel. There it is. A blooper <laughs> reel. Light was going to come down. I knew it was going to come down. I saw it coming. It happened. <laughs> but let us not get distracted by a light and let us. <laughs> have the, the, um, so, Jana, talk a little bit about your outreach efforts and some of the things you're doing as a BSO to really enhance um, uh, security awareness across the organization. Yeah. I mean, that's such a big topic because, you know, even outside of having a pandemic, trying to introduce a role like the BSO at a company like ours, and then trying to elevate kind of that security awareness aspect to it. I mean, there's a lot there to, to unpack, to understand about your organization, to kind of tailor your, um, kind of your approach, tailoring that to what the organization needs. I mean, there's all these factors you have to take into consideration when you're approaching this. And security awareness is absolutely part of that. And so I think, you know, when you thought when you talk about community outreach and you're sharing kind of what your uh, approach is at your company with others, hearing what's working for them, how are they getting through um, the pandemic, for example, and reaching all of the employees and making sure that we're all getting the right message, the right information out. So it's really all about kind of being flexible, being able to adjust and adapt and pivot when you need to. Um, and making sure that you're hearing what the organization is asking from us so that we can get their, get their answers, you know, get answers out to that particular group, out to the broader audience, and then also bring back those concerns to the security organization too, you know, to Lori and my peers and, and just talk through, here's, what's, here's what they're talking about. Here's what's at, on top of their mind. Here are the questions that we're hearing out in the business so that we can be sensitive to those things. So, I think, um, like I said earlier, it's a, it's a big topic to kind of unpack. And so I think that already having a really good foundation and base with the community um, personally, and then as I'm spreading that out with my team, um, I think has really helped. And so it's it's knowing who you can lean on, who, who you have in your network that you can reach out to. Um, how do you start to formulate a plan on how to approach the situation? And then the, over the last year with the BISO organization, I've been on this like hiring spree trying to staff it throughout the globe and, and be there local in the regions with our business units that are, that are international. And so it's that onboarding and, and making sure that they're um, understanding our business needs in that region and how can they become the best partner to them um, based on what's occurring um, in that section of our business. So there's a lot going on between the BISO side of my team and the security awareness side of my team. Um, 
and then layer on the pandemic on top of that. It's just been a really interesting year for us, for sure. Yeah, so you brought up a very interesting, I, I think, comment, which is trying to hire in this last you know year, trying to hire on a global level, which is very, very challenging for so many, for so many people, because you know, one of the biggest, I want to say, challenges, something that I'm very, you know, vocal about is the idea of how do we get more um, people involved in security? You know, Lori's got a very interesting background. She comes from IT. What's your background? How did you get into security, Jana? Yeah, so that's a great question. I mean, if we if we rewind the, the real kind of way back, um, I was going to go into psychology to begin with. I wanted to work for large organizations, probably in their HR department and doing organizational kind of change management type things. And it was back then that I got my first IT job. And so I was working my way through school. And so while I was going to school for this, my day job was IT. And that's when I really was kind of you know, shown that world of, hey, this could be a career opportunity and, and made the decision to pursue it a little bit to see how that worked out for me. And it worked out really well. So I spent my first probably 15 years, 10, 15 years in IT doing network security, network engineering, platform engineering, server engineering, all the different disciplines around IT. And so what that set me up for is back around 2011, 2012 is when I made the jump to direct information security because I felt like I had a really good foundation. Like Lori was saying, it kind of gives you that really good background of understanding the different areas of IT and therefore understanding how to secure those things almost came naturally. It was that natural progression to kind of take it to that next level. And so that's when I I went after the role in information security and, and where I've been since then. So being in your current role now, you kind of, you know, coming from also an IT background, one of the biggest challenges we have in, in security is the diver- diversity of thought, right? We seem to always want to bring people with a specific background or a specific set of skills. How have you overcome that over the last year? What are some of the things that you're doing within the community to really kind of bring that out? And any one of you can answer this question, by the way. So feel free to pitch in here. Yeah, I mean, from a hiring standpoint, honestly, I have found the best talent through my network. And I never would have found them otherwise. Because through the recruiting processes, um, you know, you have these processes in place to kind of because the volume of, of resumes that you see that come through your talent management teams, you know, to their defense, they can't they can't spend time with every single one. So they have to kind of weed them out. Right. And that's where we're losing some really interesting talent is through that weed out process. So a couple of things that I did is, number one, leverage my network and word of mouth. OK, who do you know? Who, who may I not? You know, I may not know them today, but who can you hook me up with? But then also developing a better relationship with your recruiting team and telling them, I want to see, you know, X, Y and Z. Don't weed out these people. If you see this come across, put them my way because I want to at least have that first pass at them. And that way you can kind of develop, you can almost train them in a way to look for those intangibles. You know, maybe they look great on paper, but, you know, there are some other things that we're looking to kind of diversify the team with. So it's it's kind of you know, a couple of things that I've done. I don't know if Brittany or Samara, you want to chime in on that? I'm going to throw Samara on this one. Um, she has done a fantastic job of recruiting people. Um, you mentioned kind of like odd backgrounds. I can tell you we've had someone pulled in from financial risk and one of our newer ladies uh, was an online poker player professionally. 
So I know, right? So I'm going to toss it to Samara because she's been doing some amazing things as she's been kind of building out her team in the last couple of months. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I was I was going to jump on this too. So I appreciate that shout out, Brittany. But um, I so I take a little bit of a, a, a different approach than than Jana does. I could definitely do better about working with my recruiting team. But um, and this could be because I'm a little bit of a control freak too. But um, I ask for all the resumes. Ask for all of them. And they're like, okay, it's a lot, right? Vulnerability management, threat intelligence, they're very attractive roles for people. So I do get a lot, but it gives me the opportunity to literally look at each one, see which one is good for my team. But then also I send them to Jason. I send them to Kevin Russo on uh, application security, incident response, purple team. Um, so I, that's my way of recruiting for my team and then helping other people out as well. Since the recruiters don't know the spaces as well. Um, I have found great success on Twitter as well. So I think I recently, uh, shout out to Alyssa Miller. We did um, share the mic in cyber. I don't know if you uh -huh. all are familiar yeah. with that. Um, so that's, yeah, so that's a, like a, a Twitter campaign and a LinkedIn campaign where you highlight African-American cybersecurity professionals. And um, I was a part of that. I've been a part of it twice. So that helped me build my network across the globe. Um, and she, I, Alyssa Miller told me, you need to get on Twitter. You have to get on Twitter. Twitter is the place. There's an entire information security ecosystem. And it's people of all levels, all extremely accepting. You know, I could put on there, literally, I had French toast and strawberries this morning for breakfast. <laughs> and people are like, that's awesome. You know, it doesn't always have to be so formal. Um, and I've, I've reached out to people. People have reached out to me and I've made those meaningful connections with people prior to recruiting them to a role. So it's made that transition process a lot easier. And it also helps me to understand what am I missing on my team? I see this in this person. They may not have the most cybersecurity knowledge, but they have a skill set that I can add to my team. They're a part of a culture that I can add to my team. And so far we've seen a lot of really good success. So, cause I'm at 10 people now on the team. So <laughs> yeah, I, I started at four six months ago. So, so, so that's brilliant. Um, I want to tell you something I've done as a CISO is instead of cover letters, I ask for a one minute video of every candidate. Hmm. Hmm. And I've had some really creative people that we've onboarded and hmm. that have just done some really creative videos and that we've brought in for interns or apprenticeships hmm. or, or even, you know, mid management roles. I had, one guy who did a who, who did a one minute video, who had nothing to do with security, spent twenty years in business, but his one minute video was good enough to where on paper would have probably rejected him. But we're like, we're going to bring this guy in. He's got some intangibles we could really use on our team, and now he's you know he's running our GRC team. So like for, for me, the the one minute video has been unbelievable because guess what we've all done for fifteen months exactly what we're doing right now. Yeah. We're all on video all day yeah. long. So Dan, I think that's a really good idea. Um, I think with a lot of the HR restrictions, it becomes very difficult to get to know that person. Uh, you go overseas, right? You can ask all kinds of things. But right. in the U.S., you just you can't. Right. So um, I really tried to push my team. You know, they say like the top eight percent of your candidates can can do the job. They're all going to function about the same. 
So once you get to that top percentage, you have to start asking yourself, what are they adding to the team? What new intangibles do they have that they can bring to the group that your team doesn't currently have? And sometimes it's a really hard question to answer if you can't ask, right? So maybe that one minute video is a great opportunity. Maybe getting to know people out there in your network, in the Twitterverse, um, is a good way to start to understand like how they look at different things or what their background is or how do they problem solve. A lot of those things you're not going to be able to get in your interview because you don't know them personally. And it's very hard to pull that out. Yeah, it's um, to me, that's um, the most difficult thing that I've seen is some people are have a very hard time expressing themselves on paper, but have a wonderful time showcasing their personality and their culture and their character in 60 seconds. And think about that. We say most impressions are done in the first few seconds of our interaction with a human being. So to me, one minute is just unbelievable. And Brandy, since I've got you center stage, let me ask you a little, let me ask you a question here since you've volunteered to come up here. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you were one of the first remote people that Lori's brought on mm -hmm. that was not in Ohio. Yes. So, and now Lori's like, I hire people all over the world. I don't care where you are anymore. You don't have to be in Ohio. So how has your outreach really changed? Because, you know, we've talked a little bit about the local stuff, but you're kind of like the first remote person in Lori's team that's really leading things through. So what's that been like for you? You know, it's it's been interesting. So here in Kansas City, we have some great groups. Um, our IC Squared group is really strong, which is more the, the management perspective. Um, we have more of a hacker group called SecKC. I founded the Women in Security here in Kansas City. So my network here was pretty strong. Um, as I've come on to the Cardinal team, I've honestly got to know a lot of people um, through these ladies as well. They're very involved in the community. They're going and reaching out to various groups. Um, and through that, I've been able to make contacts that's kind of furthered my network. Um, and it's been really great. Um, even being able to connect people in Ohio to people in Kansas City um, that otherwise they would have never met, right? But they can still bounce those ideas and what they're doing in the community here, they can do in the community there. Um, and I think that's that's really important. And you start to create bonds, share your network and grow um, both of the communities because I haven't gotten to personally be there yet um, in Columbus, but it seems like the Columbus community is very similar to what we have in Kansas City. Um, and just being able to have different groups compare and contrast notes on how you're doing this or how you're looking at that or how you're getting people in, how you're engaging during the pandemic, um, all that's changed, right? And it's it's been really nice to see all these different groups kind of come together and build off of one another. So, so that kind of brings up a very interesting point, which is over the last 15 months, I think one of our Achilles heels as practitioners is our communication, right? Our communication has been pretty, shall I say, challenging um, between each other, where we don't often communicate well with each other to help each other because security is a team sport. I like to say that we're not, none of us are in competition over who's more secure. I think we're all in kind of the same thing as 
we probably all use similar vendors and similar technologies and implement them. And and at the end of the day, if one's vulnerable, we're all vulnerable, right? It's it's very much a uniting factor rather than a competing one. What are some of the things that you guys think and all of you ladies think we can do to really bridge that communication gap? And maybe, you know, we'll start off with Lori and, and kind of go down each of you on this one. Yeah, it's a great question. I think I personally, and I, I'm sure the rest of uh, my friends here have the same thing. I have felt completely overloaded by communication, but not necessarily great communication, right? Yes. Zoom call after Zoom call after Zoom call and a million emails does not get the job done. So I think we got it. We have to relook at how we're doing that um, and make it very purpose-based, not just to have a meeting, to have a meeting. Um, and I know the, obviously the vendors out there have a job to do. They need to sell their stuff, but the overload from them too is, is been pretty intense. So I think those really valuable conversations are important and, I'm not going to call out any of the right. that host collaborations, but there's some that do it so well and some that do it really poorly. <laughs> um, and it's got to be facilitated discussion. It's really hard for 50 people to get on a Zoom call and have a good discussion. So there has to be someone that's kind of driving the discussion, calling people out, planning beforehand, have people contribute. And I'm not talking about the conferences. That's a whole nother right. um, ball game. I'm just saying when you get a bunch of CISOs together, it can be done very well. And there's a lot of value and a lot of aha moments, or it could be a lot of time and not done that well. And so I'd encourage the folks out there that are on point for those, that they're thinking through that because time is just, it always was, you know, not enough of it, but I would say the past year, it just, it feels like we're stretched too thin and not talking about the right things. Um, so that's, that's my two cents on it. And um, like I said, yeah. there's some folks that are doing it super well, but others that have a long way to go. Yeah. I, I want to kind of open this up to, to all three of you as well, Brittany, Samara and Jana, like what are some of the things that we need to improve as a community and communication to really kind of cut through the noise and be able to really support one another. Because one great thing that came out of COVID, I think, is the CTI League, right? Um, you know, and my good buddy, Ohad, um, who I'll be buying beer for in a little while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the work that the CTI League has done um, has been unbelievable and, and kind of the global community force that came behind it. But you know, they're, they're kind of like a group of people that have come in to help. But we, Laura, you and I as CISOs and Brittany and Samara and Janice practitioners, you know, we, we don't, I feel like if, if you're not in the same room at the same time, we don't communicate as effectively. And we know that threat actors, you know, Samara brought it up. She goes, you know, threat intel. Brittany does threat intel. You look at threat intel, if you just look at how our adversaries communicate, I'm jealous. Like, I want to be in that gang just because of how well they communicate. I know. I think it's funny because when I think about this question, you can almost look at it a couple ways. It's like, um, sure, the the outwardly like communication with your community and, and others in the in the industry and how are we sharing that information back and forth. But then also just looking right at home, like within your own organization, 
that communication is even difficult over the last 15 months because of what we're all going through. So how do we just internally continue to have the right dialogue, timely, you know, we're sharing the right information, we're keeping each other in the loop. I mean, I think it comes up, you know, pretty regularly that we need to do a better job communicating internally. But externally, I think, you know, one thing that I think about, especially as it relates to the business and the role that I have today with working more closely with the business is because of all of the different um, security kind of regulations that are coming out um, that are very different from each other in the, the kind of that stress and overhead that it's bringing to the group of pro- practitioners like us, you have to then adhere to those and kind of almost like decipher the code and figure out, okay, what's like the minimum baseline we got to be at to at least satisfy all of them, you know, right. Without, without going overboard. And I think right now as an industry, you know, we're not doing a great job of communicating across all of those different governing bodies to get one thought together where we're all saying, okay, this is going to present a huge problem for everyone. Let's start to have those right. Like to Lori's point, you know, we're not having the right conversations yet. And so I think in pockets, you're hearing more and more about it, but just kind of seeing it coming at us, you have that looming kind of, okay, how are we going to tackle this one? It's really going to be problematic, honestly. Yeah, I will say that Lori and I um, are on the NTSC, the National Technology Security Coalition with Patrick Gall, and we're kind of trying to get things a little straightened out in D.C. Um, but then again, I said the key word there, D.C. So <laughs> I'll, I'll kick it back to to Brittany, or, or I know you unmuted. So, Brittany, uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say on this. Sure. So first for the vendors, um, just send me one. That's that's number one. And then we will get on. We will have a great conversation. Um and, and we will be friends. Uh, for my peers, like we have established just a real lockdown Slack channel. Um, and so anytime one of us hears something or sees something, we throw it up there. And it's very interesting to see like all these different industries, particularly the legal industry, um, come back with rulings on how people decided who was at fault and those types of things. Um, so I think just creating that community and being able to have a safe space is nice. Um, internally, I've tried to do a few things within our team. Um, we have a lot of tough conversations that Samar could probably tell you about. But um, also on Fridays, we started uh, what we call cube time. And it's pretty much beginning Friday morning till after lunch. It's just an open teams channel and people jump in and out all day and talk, usually not about work, Um, but kind of to mimic that office feel, right? Because a lot of my team won't be back in the office. A lot of my team is remote now. Um, And so being able just to chit chat and talk about all the things, I can tell you, I have learned about a new tax deduction that I'm totally going to take advantage of next year. Um, But there's, there's certainly an opportunity to kind of create a bond and a relationship but I think you have to be very intentional about how you do that. Yes. Samara, what's your take? Yeah. Well, I'd appreciate if my boss didn't take all the words that I wanted to use. (laughs) Safe space, intentional, you know, comfort. So I wanted to touch on like the more, a little bit more personal side because I am extremely intentional about understanding the people that, that work for work with me, not for me. Um, <clears throat> I, I think there's a lot of work to be done on the front end with communication when it comes to building rapport, right? When people, when you can come to a meeting and feel 
comfortable with somebody, I think you can knock things out left and right. And it's a productive meeting. Brittany and I have our one-on-ones are like 30 minutes and we talk about like everything. <laughs> I don't know how we do it sometimes, but like talking over each other sometimes and we can hear one another. Um, so I, I think that's a big part of it. Um, yeah, it's building that rapport and the trust. Again, she took half my words, so. So, so yeah, Brittany has a tendency to do that. Um, yeah, she's we'll the worst. Worst. <laughs> Um, you know, I'll tell you something very interesting, um, that I've, that I've done and it could be, it could be very useful. I do 10 minute one-on-ones with everyone on my team once a week and we do them and I call them plank sessions. So however long you can, we don't really plank. I mean, I wish we did. I'd look like, I'd be like 15 pounds lighter. I'd be all muscled up. You know, I did 20, I did the mission 22 challenge this week for Memorial day and I am still sore from practicing to do 22 push-ups on camera. So I don't look like a little, you know, like, like I can't do 22 push-ups. I was and... visualizing walking off a plank for some reason. Well, I was thinking about the fat, remember, where people would like lay flat. I was right. there, not like an exercise. Yeah, that was a thing when the office was a show, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But, but to me, we do, we do these plank meetings because – you can get out what you want to say in that very mm-hmm. little of a time. Yeah. And those have been very, very effective from a, from a remote leadership perspective. Cause my entire team is remote, right? I mean, I don't have, I, I think I've got a handful of people that live in Georgia where I am and everyone else is all over the globe and different time zones. And I've now realized that being in Israel, I, I'm very central time zone. Now I don't want my wife to ever hear that. Cause she's going to be like, let's move back to Israel. <laughs> but you know, like it's unbelievable because I can speak to my Asian team in the morning and it's their end of day, right? And I can speak to the US team here towards the end of my day and I can speak to Europeans around the same time and I'm comfortable. Like I don't, I'm not working weird hours. My work-life balance has been very, very different. And, you know, that I think that's a big thing also is like mental health and now, especially with I don't want to say the new normal back to normal, right? Cause things are going back to normal. At least I'm seeing it that way, right? Kind of like the back to normal, but the back to normal also involves the way we work. That's very different now. Mm-hmm. Like Brittany said, none of her team's going to be in the office and the mon- and cybersecurity is a very challenging mm-hmm. role and it, it's a very high stress job and not, you know, kind of what are some of your tips to, to kind of watching mental health, kind of and and giving people time off and recognizing that someone's overworked because you know they're logged in for 18 hours and they're hawkish on their keyboard and you know while we all love those people at the same time they burn out quick if we let them do that mm-hmm. everybody came off mute real quick well i love opinions yeah. so go for it every yeah, single one I, of you can go i'll go i'll start i mean like this for me it's Boy, we've keeping an eye on the on my employees because they are global. They're all international, most of them. And being on Zoom and having the camera on is so key. And like seeing their their reactions and kind of seeing their appearance and how are they responding? Are they nodding along? And just looking for those cues and kind of keeping a pulse on how they're acting and is that their normal behavior? And you can see it. I mean, like especially with my team being so new to Cardinal, you know, the hiring spree that I was on. We're all getting to know each other over this past year 
and then we're all getting to know kind of our natural tendencies and how we act. Now we're starting to pick up really well on those cues of, hey, they're not acting right. Something's going on. And really towards the end of this now, I mean, endurance, like we've all had some pretty serious endurance. It's starting to wear thin. Like I can see it. You know, we're, we're, for us, we're winding down our fiscal year right now. Everybody's wore out. We got to start all over again in July. You know, so we're just trying to find some of that last minute energy to push us through. So for like mental health and, and wellness, I mean, it's all about number one, letting them know what what um, support they have to them through the company, number one, because we actually have some really good um, things through Cardinal that can help with mental health support. So we have um, subscriptions to some really cool apps that we use, um, Headspace and Calm, which are really good ones. I actually use those personally anyway. And then my company sponsors them through um, being an employee. So that is an added benefit, but people, if they don't know that they're there for them, they don't know how to take advantage of it. So it's just making sure that they know what's available and then just checking in. How are we doing today? Scale of one to 10. What's your number? You know, like how, how are you feeling? You know, who's taking vacation? There's a long weekend coming up. Are you going to take some time off with that? You know, and just kind of making sure that I'm respecting their boundaries as their leader, as their manager is like, Hey, I don't want to be filling their their personal time with stuff that can wait till the next day, right? You know, let, let me respect their boundaries too, you know, and just kind of we'll we'll catch up when we catch up type thing. So there's a lot of different approaches, but that's for me just some of the things that come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch this to uh, Samara so Brittany doesn't steal her words this time. This okay. is a good idea. Bless you. Bless you, sir. I, I literally wrote down almost an agenda of things in case she took some so that I could have a thing to talk about. Okay. So first, anybody that knows me knows I'm super just open. I, I put it all out there. Uh, and I think that helps to kind of make people feel uh, like they can be vulnerable with me. You know, like I said, I'm super intentional about knowing the people that work for me. So, um, and I'm also very open to sharing anything about my life, my past, what I'm going through now, what I'll probably go through in the future. Um, like the other day, I scheduled my first therapy appointment. I am excited. <laughs> I've done a lot of work in the last two years on my own, but now I need help. And I told my team that, right? So when they're feeling a certain kind of way, they feel like they can come to me and so far, they have, right? So I'm seeing a lot of success there. And also leading by example, when it comes to not working late, letting things, you know, wait till the next day if they can. And then also super direct with them too. (laughs) If I see somebody working late, I'm like, get off of the computer right now. (laughs) Get out of here. Go spend time with, you know, whoever your loved ones. So hopefully I stole some of Brittany's words. You did. Congratulations. So Jana got it with being intentional about like not sending. So mine will be like not sending emails after hours um, because I don't want them to think that they have to respond. And then to Samara's point, um, just making sure that you are being open with your team. Um, you're having those honest conversations. Um but I have another one that I do. So I had to level set a little bit, um, level set my team because I will press that video call button just 
just do it. Like, like that's just what I do. That's my go-to. I'm not sending you an email. I'm not sending you a message on Teams probably. If I just got something to say, I'm going to hit the video button. Mm -hmm. um, and so as each new person has come into the team, I had this conversation about like, I am going to call you on the video call. If you are not at your desk, that's fine. If you had to walk around the block, if you had to use the bathroom, if you had to take like a personal minute, that's fine. Also, if you're in the middle of like having a deep thought, it is fine to hang up on me. I am generally just calling you to like BS about something. Um, if it's important, I will message you and I will get in touch with you, but don't feel like you have to be tethered to your desk all the time. Like I want them to feel like they can, if they, if they need a minute to walk around the block, they walk around the block, right? If they need a minute to just have some personal time, like, and, and shake it out, um, especially in the IR function, do that, shake it out um, and come back. I will get in touch with you, but it's not, I don't want them to think, oh crap, the boss is calling. I need to jump in and like hurdle the couch and get there and, you know, freak out. Um, so I've had to, I, I didn't prep my team initially when I did this. And then I realized people were freaking out. So I had to go back and make sure that like, I, I level set and said, you know, I am I am not trying to hunt you down. I am not trying to check on you. I am not trying to make your life difficult. Um, I'm just popping in to say hi because I got some things to say. Lori? Yeah, so um, it's it's been interesting. I think shadow of a leader, I've gone on vacation. I just went on vacation two weeks ago and want to make sure everybody knew that, right? Because we have got to have, we've got to get back to some normal life for sure. Um, I think that's one thing. The company has done a really nice job. Jana mentioned some of it. Like we're doing every Wednesday from three to five is midweek moment, no meetings for the entire company, right? So that's so that, today. Yeah, it is. This afternoon from three to five. Um, I would say now we're at the point that some folks are going to start going back to the office throughout the summer into the fall. I'm hesitant there. How do we manage both now with some folks full-time remote, some folks going in a couple of days, some folks there full-time? I'm trying to wrap my mind around how do we make that work for everybody? Because that is much different um, yeah. than where we were. And I want to make sure it's a great experience for everyone. And I, I'll be honest, that's my, when I go to think sometimes, that's what I'm thinking about. How do we really make sure that everyone gets to that new normal in one piece, <laughs> feels engaged, feels part of the team, um, obviously, Brittany will be a great sounding board as you know part of the leadership team. Um, but that's something that I I don't want everyone to go in and just look at Zoom calls all day, right? If they're going to go in the office, what what's the benefit for them? So we're working through that as a leadership team. But um, that's one of the things I think is important. Um, the rest of the mental health space, it's just been it hasn't just been a pandemic, right? We've had racial injustice, we've had natural disasters. I, there's so many things that have happened um, that I, I, as the leader of the team, take some head on and gets, gets the team talking. Um, I think that's my job. Um, our company's pretty leading edge on that too. Uh, so it's, it's been interesting. It's 
I would say I have been stretched more than I ever have as a leader this past year. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we often talk about the C word, but we ignore a lot of the things that happen as a result of it. Yeah. Um, when we look at, um, yeah, Samara's like C word. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I, you know, you can call <laughs> it, some people call it COVID. Some, you know, some people call it Corona. Either way, I call it over um, at this point. Um, really, it's it's beyond that, right? Uh, the teenage suicide rate is at an unbelievable number. Um, it, it, the, the, the challenges in, in, in educating our kids, um, the in the uh, lack of equality is schools used to be a level playing field. Mm-hmm. And when schools went completely virtual, it eliminated that level playing field for so many students. And people are set back. Yes. Um, that's just a fact. Um and for a lot of parents who can't afford to, you know, be able to spend time with their kids and educate them uh, because they've got to work two, three jobs, because they've had to do different things than, than ever before, um, it's created a lot of different challenges. And, and amongst and primary of those is if you've got a global team, well, you know, I've got a team in India. India has been battered. Yeah. My, you know, I worry about our team in India day in and day out. Yeah. They are top of mind every single day. They're the first, they're the last thing I think about before I go to sleep. And the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning mm-hmm. is because they, they don't, it's, they don't have the advantages that we have in, in America living in, in our country. Right. And, and having an infrastructure, they don't have that. That doesn't yeah. exist for them. And to me that that's been one of the, um, kind of big takeaways from this is um, how do we get those team members involved and how do we support them? You know, and Laura, you said you guys were sending care packages oh, yeah. when we were talking last week and, you know, leadership has shown. Um, and, and I can tell right now, this, this is the next group of, of leaders that are really going to lead our industry um, right here. And I think people listening or watching are going to really kind of see uh, the, um, balance and leadership that's required beyond the practical know-how of security. Because oftentimes people focus on security as being an IT function or a network function or an architecture function or engineering function. But I mean, one thing I think we can all agree on is um, it's only human to err and security is full of errors and it's full of challenges. And we're not you know, there's no perfection in security. Security is the exact opposite of perfection. It is imperfection. And it's how do we deal with our imperfections? And to me, security is almost like being human. And Samara articulated it very well. I've been in therapy since I left the military. That's been now 2004, 2021, due to math. I think we work on ourselves every single day as humans and we work on security programs the same way we work on ourselves every single day. We try to make ourselves a little bit better, we try to make our security programs a little bit better. And you guys just showed that. And I'm humbled. Thank you sincerely Thank you. for your openness, for your willingness to share and just put yourself out there. I think that so many times people on social media and other platforms try to make it seem like I'm all hunky dory and Rosie. And you know what? Whenever I see someone in security go, I just had a great day. We stopped 1 million attacks. And I'm like, and you've also missed about a hundred thousand. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad you're looking at the glass half full, but um, 
you know, I, I, it's, it's to me, it's just, it's, it's the humanity of, of our, of our job that is oftentimes overlooked. And it's part of what we need to be because we're humans that operate security, not machines mm-hmm. to the contrary of every vendor out there. <laughs> but I've got machine learning. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you and I've had this discussion. Um, I've got so so I'll, I'll, I want to. We've got another minute left, and I'm going to ask you each to give me one word answer. I've got a buzzword graveyard. What are you burying in my buzzword graveyard? Who wants to start? Crown jewels. Out the gate. That word. That's a good word. Okay. Uh, Lori. Crown jewels. Ooh, I'll pass. I got to think about this. So, so Jana, Samara. Oh boy. There's so many when we think about like buzzword, like the bingo. Um, I think zero trust is getting overused a little bit these days. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot. That was good. People. Yes. Thank you. Samara <laughs> or Lori, you've got each, you got to give me a buzzword. You'd bury in my graveyard. Zero trust oh. is buried many times. Kill chain. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, old school marketing people overuse that. I'm at a loss. Why am I? I love all the words. I don't want to get rid of it. <laughs> so would you, would Even you, would you use a, would, So, so um, Lori, let me ask you this. Would you consider AI and ML to be a buzzword? I don't, I mean, it's real stuff. So no, I don't think so. Can't get rid of that. Automation. Maybe, yeah, right. maybe that very broad automation without specifying what it is. That that makes more sense to me. Like, what kind of automation are you talking about? Or what I kind agree. of AI and ML? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Brilliant. Ladies, I want to say thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on the program. You are all absolutely amazing. Lori, thank you for helping put this together and really showcasing your team. Because that's what true leadership is. We as CISOs don't do it on our own. We do it with our team. And without our teams, we're just a bunch of people with a title. Thank you, Thanks James. for having us. It's great. Yeah. Awesome. All right, folks, that's Thanks. it for this episode. Make sure to subscribe. Stay tuned. Next week, a lot more content. It's going to be hard to top this one. So people are <laughs> going to have to really try. But that's that. Cheers. Thanks so much for tuning in, folks. Have a great rest of your day, night, evening, whenever you're watching or listening to this. I don't know with podcasts anymore, right? Like someone could be listening to this while like laying on a beach somewhere on vacation. And if you are, and this is what you're doing on vacation, one, I'm humbled. Number two, you need therapy. Um, so. <laughs> Have a great rest of the day, folks. Cheers. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. And get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com.